where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we let the cats out of the bag with Deb Kaplan and Harry Elfont's 2001 tween comedy, Josie and the Pussycats, starring Rachel Lee Cook, Rosario Dawson, and Tara Reid. For every band, there is a moment when they know they have made it. For one band, this is not that moment. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're a great crowd. Okay, girls, we need the lane now. And your shoes. They were three small-town girls with big-time dreams. Who's a rock star? I am who wanted to share their music with the world. We can't sit around here waiting for it to happen. We are musicians. We should be out there playing music. We do play. Nobody believed in them. You know, you suck. <laughs> but they believed in themselves. We're special. Yeah, special, Ed. <laughs> now, in a world of tough competition, that is so sad. Fate is giving the Pussycats the chance of a lifetime. We'd love for you to sign with Mega Records. How am I going to pull this off? I'm a girl from Riverdale. I'm not a rock star. you got to believe in yourself. Things are finally going their way. But between the mania... Is that Joseph? They're going to be huge. The managers. We decide everything. What's hot and what's not. Welcome to your party. Who else thinks that Fiona's a freak? And the media. We're gonna be on TRL. Mm-hmm. Yeah! This may be the toughest gig they've ever played. Have you noticed that everything has sort of become all about Josie? Josie. 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 Spin around. I made you a rock star. Tell me you don't love that. Forget it. I never liked you. No matter what happens, we will always be friends first. Were you gonna kill me with the guitar? You messed with the wrong pussycat. My bad. Josie and the Pussycats. I was thinking about that while I was watching this movie, <laughs> Jesse and the yeah. Pussycats, how the world is kind of falling apart and there's a pandemic happening and this movie just seems so trite. <laughs> In relation to that, I mean, part of me was like, maybe this would be a fun escapist thing, but I did not stop reading Facebook coronavirus <laughs> updates throughout watching this movie, so... Right, well, you didn't try to escape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, here we are <laughs> talking about the 2001 film Josie and the Pussycats. 
Written and directed by Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan, the team behind Can't Hardly Wait and a Mary Brady sequel. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a resume! <laughs> it's based on characters from the Archie comic series, and it tells the story of an all-female power pop trio who seemingly get a big break and then find themselves entangled in a corporate conspiracy that threatens their friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently this movie means a lot to the millennial generation who oh. were about my daughter's age when they saw this movie, like between 7 and... 13, kind of in that mm-hmm. range. When I was reading think pieces about it, they were all by women of that generation saying that this was the first movie that made them think that they could be in a band or that they could have something that was typically like a masculine-dominated genre. Just huh. punk, I guess not punk rock exactly, but more rock pop than pop yeah. pop. Right. So that's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's good. That's good. A compliment for us is a compliment for you. So it's basically like this movie is not for us. I tried to keep that in mind. (laughs) I liked it when it came out. I watched it because it was, I don't know why. I don't remember if I saw it in the theater or on TV, but either way, I went in expecting to just hate it and maybe hate watch it. And then I was surprised at how many times I laughed. And then I didn't go back to watching it again in the meantime, but I just kind of had a fond memory of it. And I didn't like it as well. I wasn't (laughs) as entertained by it when I rewatched it this last time yeah i never saw it until i watched it for this i was hoping for like a little hidden gem kind of thing <laughs> it mostly did not land for me you did know. you watch it with lisi no i don't know why we didn't watch it i think she was just busy or something yeah. you know, like, <laughs> she is very busy yeah i was the, yeah she is you know <laughs> she has something after school every day of the week wow. but yeah i don't know how much she would have liked it it had some stuff going for it but i was thinking it was going to be a little better than it was. <laughs> what did you think, Christina? I thought it was kind of fun. I was like, whoa, is this a PG movie? They had like a pussy joke in the beginning of it. And I yeah. was like, what? Whoa. I guess it was maybe PG-13. When it came out, I just remember thinking, oh, yeah, I'm probably not going to see that. I'm not going to be into that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was fun. I mean, it was definitely very dated. There were some things that I didn't like about it. It was pretty fun. A light, fun movie, I thought. Yeah, it's definitely very light. There's definitely things to like about it, but I guess we should maybe start with Hot Probs. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Hot Probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. What do you got? Uh, I have a couple Hot Probs. Well, I guess my hottest prob... Well, I have two hottest props, but, you know, this movie being about subliminal messaging, where I felt the message of this movie was the very opposite of subliminal, you know? I felt like I was being, like, sledgehammered by this. You know? know, This is about consumerism. I think I got it, This is where it starts. The fads, the fashions, the product placement. I'm sick of my Reebok sweats. I need some... Puma sweats. I gotta buy a six-pack of Zima. Dude, you don't drink. I think I should start. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like just that. It was just kind of a mess. Just the way it was so heavy-handed with it and just it kept hitting you over and over. Like, yeah, I got it, you know? <laughs> Art and commerce, you know? You yeah. got it, right? That was my hottest problem. And then also... Tara Reed is just painful. She is I think I just wrote, Tara Reed speaks hot prop. Believe me, if I could just go back in time, I'd take it all back. That'd be cool. If I could go back in time, I'd want to meet Snoopy. 
I was wondering about that not a good for you when I was watching it because you have said <laughs> that you like when a character is dumb in a movie. <laughs> right. And it's not like the actress is trying so hard yeah. to play dumb. This like, is an example of oh, that failing. Yes, God, when she life. sings a happy and you know it in the shower. Dropping the loofah. This is one example of the rule of threes not working. Right. <laughs> too, too many. <laughs> <on that rule. laughs> yeah. Those were my props. I did write down the whole message of art and money don't mix. So there's that scene in Inside Lewin Davis where he sings his heart out for F. Murray Abraham, and then the guy just says, I don't see a lot of money here. That mm-hmm. said, like, everything that this movie took 90 minutes saying, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. They don't mix. Got it. Yeah. You know? In long just, hand instead of short right. hand. Yeah. <laughs> just want to find a way to mention Oscar Isaac. Just yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's definitely very valid to bring up a movie that has a similar message, but it plays in a different right. way. <laughs> That's valid film criticism right there. There you go. Yeah. That was relevant. <laughs> In its favor, I would say that because it's a movie for tweens and possibly even younger, maybe you could think of it in that regard as like it's like consumerism <laughs> criticism for, for beginners. Right. Not dumbing it down, but boiling it down to the simple terms that children can understand. Right. Yeah. It's like saying you only want those things because advertisers are telling you to buy them. Yeah. That might be the first time that some of those kids have been faced with that kind of idea. Yeah, I can see that. And seen it in a way that they're able to digest. I mean, it was very much like an Archie comic. Scooby-Doo kind of villain. I kind of had that in the calculus when I was watching it. I'm like, this is a very comic book. The way that it played out, the way the villains were. It did have the Scooby-Doo, I guess, where uh, <laughs> Alan comes in. you really are. And I would have found it with me. Yeah, exactly. Yes, might have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. Yeah, like the other message, you're like, you should just be happy with yourself. And I felt like that just did not really land well. I don't know. I mean, I mm-hmm. get it, but then the... It was just so... Yeah, I thought Whenever, it was more about the consumerism. Than yeah. It was. Whenever there's a message like, be happy with who you are, and yeah. it's delivered by like three young, beautiful women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. How inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> That is a very good point. It's interesting that you talk about the wholesomeness of the Archie comic situation because that was something that whoever is in charge of the Archie estate, they were very concerned with that. They had some stipulations about how the girls could be portrayed and they insisted that there be a scene where they're brushing their teeth. Oh. Because yeah. they wanted it be known that the Archie estate, I don't know what it's really called, is very concerned with the wholesome things like oral hygiene. Wow. And then just sure fast forward to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then fast forward to whenever Riverdale came out. Oh, I, I mean, that's... Is Riverdale not wholesome? I, I don't think so. I mean, it's a CW show. The pitch was Twin Peaks meets 
the CW, oh. which made me want to watch it, and I did watch it, and it, it didn't hold me, but there are a lot of diehard Riverdale fans out there. Really? But it's definitely not wholesome. There's, I mean, mm. they're having sex, oh, doing yeah. drugs. Maybe there's... somebody <laughs> died in the last... That know, could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's just very funny that they were constrained in that way, and <laughs> now a like, very popular TV show for teenagers is the opposite portrayal. <laughs> You were talking about the consumerism and not landing Amy, and I feel like they did do themselves a disservice there by using actual brands, Mm -hmm. because then it really does come across like they're, everyone assumes that they got paid by those companies, which they didn't. Yeah. But you only find that out after the fact in interviews where they're like, well, people were saying we were practicing what we were preaching against, but we didn't even get money from those companies. Well, then why not have like Bullseye instead of Target or like wave instead of surf detergent or you know something like that that just would kind of have more of a repo man (laughs) satire (laughs) edge to it than using the literal brands i think they definitely failed in that regard oh and then also if they're going for like be comfortable with who you are and be true to yourself but then they have like a classic makeover scene where the boy who she likes doesn't notice her until she's wearing a pretty dress Mm-hmm. Oh, Even though she looks yeah. like Rachel Lee Cook the whole time and she's not even wearing glasses. Right. <laughs> she's already all that. I know. <laughs> Suddenly, like, oh, you're a girl. I couldn't tell before. I, I just, I've never seen you. Wow. Finish your sentences. Is, is, that, is that a good wow or a bad wow? Oh, no, no, it's, uh, it's good wow. Also, his name is Alan M, and everyone calls him Alan M the whole time. One of my Eskimos was the sweet bird by Alan Cumming that was like, it didn't work for Sheila E, and it doesn't work for you. I really like that. It's probably not good that I was identifying with the villain in this movie, but then again, it wasn't made for me. Also, Josie is kind of stupid. She's not a very smart protagonist. Why isn't the protagonist Valerie the only one who knows yeah. what's going on? Yeah. The only one with real heart. It makes me so mad that she's the only one who notices when they're continuously leaving around. Why don't her best friends notice this is happening? Right. right. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> I really liked Valerie. She was watching the behind the music of Captain and Tito. Yeah. <laughs> <and> the, <laughs> the, the, the lost member. Yeah. She's like, oh my gosh. It's starting to happen to her. Valerie's the only one that's questioning what's going on. Josie's like, do you think this is weird that this all happened in a week? Does anyone else think it's a little strange that all this happened in a week? No! (laughs) That's her only question. But what about why they only had two tickets and not one for Valerie? They're like, well, you can be my plus one. That's such a very (laughs) obvious moment to say, uh, hang on here, this is fucked up. And just look at her face and read her body language and pay attention to your friend, you know? (laughs) Take care of your friend. And how Valerie's always building up Josie. Ugh, I really, really hated that scene. I basically write all of it. Josie, no, you don't. We write it together. Oh, okay. So if we're all doing equal amounts of work, why isn't the band called Valerie and the Pussycats? I'm just backup to you, huh? Oh, but you're a good, solid backup. Oh, hey, Val. Who's a rock star? Who's a rock star? I am. 
And I know we're supposed to hate it and we're supposed to be like, come on, Josie, you're being brainwashed, blah, blah, blah. Who's a rock star? I mean, that's so fucking harsh. Not cool. Yeah. yeah. Way harsh, I. I mean, it's hard to like a protagonist who's that stupid and self-centered to begin with. Mm-hmm. Before the brainwashing, she's not noticing this stuff is happening. Right. Yeah. So I didn't love that. I think we had the wrong protagonist in this movie. I didn't like the fat phobia stuff in it with the manager of the band, like the yeah. sister, Missy Pyle. And then there was a really awkward scene with Parker Posey. And she's like, how much do you weigh, Josie? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm three pounds lighter than you, so I win. Come on, girls, sit down. We'll gossip. Ha, 115, I'm three pounds lighter than you. But don't worry about it. I think you look great. Yeah, it was that just was something weird. like really weird, mean girly. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. it's being played like that that's not a good way to be. Yeah, oh. I, I definitely got that she's so awkward and doesn't yeah. know how oh. girls talk to each other. You yeah. Know, like, yeah, that whole scene was her trying to relate to them, but not being able to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just like, weird. I don't know. Yeah. So I do like that. At least that there's that message that fat phobia is not okay. But at the same time, there was nobody over a size right. two in this right. movie. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it's okay yeah. to be 118 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Instead of 115 pounds. Oh my God. As yeah. long as you're 5'4". Five, five positivity. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> to a much lesser extent, there's little moments of convenience like how she accidentally breaks the machine with the guitar and that's when they find out about the conspiracy like is there no better way to do this like maybe one of them just gets an idea that this mysterious machine is behind it in some way i don't know i mean i know they're from a small town what else did I have? Oh, obviously, the you-know-who's funny, Bill Cosby. a real hot-color moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the decoration in their house that they shared. The power clash decor was uh, not working. I did not understand what they were going for there. <laughs> With, like, the different loud wallpaper in every room. It was so weird. The decor was really bizarre. Like, no one could really live in a house like that. <laughs> Yeah, it was had, like living in an art installation. Yeah, they had an interesting kitchen cabinet with black circles and very geometric wallpaper. Yeah. I just kept looking at it and not looking at the people in the scene. It seems like you wouldn't be able to sleep in a house like that. Yeah, it's too busy for me. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't understand why she was wearing headphones in the bath when she was all by herself. Yeah. Although, I mean, that's such a movie trope. Yeah, I don't know yeah, why. It reminded me yeah. of Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Yeah. yeah. And I know that she needed it for the brain. Well, she didn't necessarily, because you could just... Yeah, I still stand by it. You could just be playing. You could just be playing like it was in the Virgin Megastore. (laughs) Right. What a relic, that Virgin Megastore. Oh, wow, I know. It wasn't that long ago, but it still feels like a billion years ago. Yeah, it's weird. It does feel extremely dated. 2001, not that long ago, and also the 70s and the 80s, I feel, Mm. has such a specific aesthetic, and I don't feel that way about the odds, but it's still... But it's I guess very they did. did. Yeah. It was just this weird transitional period. I guess, yeah. yeah. Tara Reid and, well, a lot of the outfits, they reminded me of, like, Christine Aguilera. Yeah, like, like the really low The pants. asymmetric yeah. top with the... Just wearing bandanas really as a shirt, Yes, basically. the bandanas, <laughs> like a shirt, bandana. and top. Yeah. yeah. And then Steve Madden was highly featured. People buying their Steve Madden shoes. <laughs> right. I mean, I had them. They were, like, platform sandals. It was, like, one black sandal strap across me and like a million other girls had the same pair of shoes (laughs) it was also a strange transitional period in terms of what being a real musician means that's kind of become a meaningless 
not a meaningless thing, but it's, there's definitely the divide of, so there was the grunge era where mm-hmm. if you earned money, you were a sellout for making music. Right. That was really right. pervasive. And right. it really, if you were making money at all, you weren't a real artist. Now it's like, who gives a shit? You want people to make money, right? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want Lizzo to struggle in anonymity for years and be right. the only one who, what good is that to be the only one who likes a certain artist? So there's kind of that dichotomy here, too. What's the problem if they're earning money doing this? Because the villains are like, haha, if you play music, we'll make you rich. Ooh, aren't we evil? Okay. Like, are yeah. products now? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to pay artists to make to right. art, right? I just feel like <laughs> if they're not changing their own vision, you know. Yeah. I, always, I mean, there definitely was a bit of that going on. Right. That time you're talking about, I always feel like Green Day always got this bad rap for it. Green Day was always known as the biggest sellout band, but it was like just because they got popular. Yeah. You know what I mean? They like literally they never changed their sound. They didn't change at all. <laughs> they like yeah. did their best to keep ticket prices low and it was yeah. just like, you are successful, therefore you are a sellout. Yeah. yeah. How could yeah. I be a little grudge on their behalf for that, you know? Yeah. yeah. It does feel like that period of time, record labels were like really churning out. There was a Jive Records, I guess, which had, like all those pop bands like Britney Spears, mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera, Backstreet Boys, and they kept churning. Like there's Jessica Simpson, and like they all have the same sound, and it mm-hmm. felt like there was just so many of them at that period. Yeah, in like the '99 to 2003 or yeah. something. And maybe that's not unique to like other time periods, but it just seemed like there was like this deluge of pop bands that all sounded the same, and it's like, oh, is this Backstreet? No, it's Insane, insane. Yeah. And then it's O-Town. And oh, yeah. 98, 98 Degrees, right? Is that the way Nicholas Shea was in? 98 Degrees. And Take that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> there's yeah. that. There's yeah. Spice Williams. Girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spice Girls. I mean, they didn't sound like any of them, though. They were pretty unique. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it did it... swing in the total opposite. Like, there was the grunger, and then that was the complete opposite of yeah grunge, like hyper you know, commercialized they've yeah. been doing that since records yeah, were a true. thing though right. because there were all those girl groups in the 50s they were like oh yeah. the supremes are hot let's try to find the next supremes that's and true they've just been doing that as long as you could make money off of music yeah yeah <laughs> that's capitalism yeah I it was just, just really funny that there was this backlash at a certain point where it was okay to make money off doing music as long as you did it in a certain way there weren't nearly as many people who said Nirvana's sold out as said Green Day sold out like right. you said. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Nirvana probably had more money than Green Day. I would right, think. Yeah. So I don't know. It's thing. really hard to understand at this point. What <laughs> I mean it was an ongoing debate of yeah. what it means to be an artist with integrity. Right. It wasn't the kind of music that I listened to. Like I was really into pop music when I was growing up. I still am but I felt like I was too old like I missed the boat on that or yeah. something. I did love Britney Spears. I mean, I think they even call it out to why they target that age group is because they have their parents' money and right, nothing to spend yes. it on. That's been going on for ages. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember yeah. Like, being on campus in college and there are always lots of CDs being sold around or buying, what is it, the the Columbia Music, or the Columbia <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they want you to sign up for credit cards all over campus. <laughs> like, hey, you want this credit card? Sign up. I have a friend who, in Florida, she went into a lot of debt, and it was due to a lot of music that she bought when she was like, Oh, really? Oh, wow. The credit card companies, they just target kids right when you're 18. 
Yeah. Let's spend some money here, you know? You have freedom and still no impulse control. (laughs) Exactly. There's all this stuff you can buy with this card. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. it at the time, but that's part of the game. It seems like it would be really hard to go into debt buying music now. (laughs) Unless you were buying just like out of print LPs. You're doing it wrong if you're spending thousands of dollars on music. She did have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely spent all my spare money on Oasis B-sides in high school. (laughs) (laughs) They were coming out with them constantly. And I'd go to Borders and, or just a lot of Britpop B-sides. They were expensive. It'd be like four songs for 20 bucks because they were imports. Oh, right. (laughs) Anytime I had any spare cash, that's what I would buy. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) I can't think about all that. Or how much money I spent on the Mr. Show VHS dub. (laughs) (laughs) Back before you could get that DVD for almost no money at all. Next call. The Backdoor Lover song was obviously a reference to (laughs) anal sex. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that song. Was that the du jour song? Yeah, uh, and it's like, I don't know if it was like I'll sneak in your door at night. I don't remember what the lyrics were, but it was like nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'll be able to find a clip. Yeah, I mean, it's very single entendre. (laughs) I did really enjoy that opening with DuJour, because I love Breckenmeyer, and I thought that was really funny, and I really loved when they sang the Entertainment Tonight piece. Oh, yes! That was so funny. I did kind of like all of those because it reminded me of the, that was like a real kind of branding campaign that people did for a while. We would stay at La Quinta's because they were very cheap and they had like, La Quinta means high speed internet and La Quinta means free breakfast. That's like that was a real thing That's they the did. Name of the game. So it just made me laugh thinking about that. That's really <laughs> like, really? I don't think it does. It's like a low high, you know, it means a bunch of things. <laughs> it means free HBO. There was a laugh out loud moment for me with Tara Reed when the Whoa. girl when the girl is so excited, sees her on the street and then Tara Reed gets terrified and starts running away. I, don't know. I, th- I thought it was funny. Yeah, it was really hard to, it felt like almost abuse. Yeah. <laughs> being there, but I'm sorry, Tara Reed. I'm sure you're a very nice woman. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. This isn't a line, but I really like when Parker Posey's wearing that weird feather on oh, wire yeah, thing, and every was... time she turns around... Huh? What? It really got me. She kept doing it. That's the kind of repeated comedy that works for me, I guess. <laughs> I like when Alan Cummings like, most people wait until their 10-year reunion for that sort of revenge. Like, oh, yeah. yeah the, the Romeo like, and Michelle. Yeah, I love the Romeo and Michelle. 
Michelle reference. I love that movie so much. What's the point of being famous if the people in high school don't want to kiss your ass? Yeah, I did like that. I like when he says to that girl, I'm real nonconformist. I'm so interested in whatever else you have to say. <laughs> yeah. I like that somebody referenced the Leaf Garrett episode of yes! Behind the Music. That was amazing. <laughs> like the famously awesome episode of Behind the Music with Leaf Garrett. Yeah. I wrote that one down. Yeah. <laughs> and that really was the one that everyone saw for some reason. Yeah. It's hard to explain that. What, right. What, what a Behind the Music is, because that yeah. was so ubiquitous. Well, even like any end. TV thing that's yeah an old MTV thing yeah like it was weird seeing Serena Altschul yeah like just okay like MTV news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even just seeing her at all yeah. hi I'm Serena Altschul with MTV breaking news the Josie and the Pussycats debut concert was unexpectedly canceled when an automobile exploded in the stadium parking lot the passengers were identified as Valerie Brown and Melody Valentine, two of the founding members of the popular rock band. I assume they don't still do MTV News, you know. I mean, maybe they do, I don't know. I have no idea what they do on MTV anymore. I I think it's just all reality shows. Oh. Yeah, I I think. It was such a tastemaker for (laughs) such a long time. Yeah. TRL was crazy. I was reminded when I was reading about this that TRL was recorded in Times Square. The building was in Times Square. And so every day, I guess every weekday at whatever time it was on, like 4 p.m., Times Square would just be like overrun with people with signs. You could see out the window. You could see all those people. You couldn't walk through Times Square at like commuting time (laughs) for however long TRL was on. That's so crazy that they let that happen. That's how much it meant to pop culture, I guess. Right. It was like the Today Show for... for <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Carson Daly. So painful. Carson Daly is very painful. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did really laugh at that line, a brother can't be Carson Daly. <laughs> Yo, man, you got to stop trying to be me with the nails thing. What you saying, man? A brother can't be Carson Daly? Nope. That's not what I'm saying. Even though then he did that Bill Cosby impression, and I was oh, like, oh, yeah. God. Right. <laughs> And just like impressionist comics, people who do impressions for no reason, I do not care for. (laughs) Triggered. It reminds me of when Kevin Spacey would be on any talk show. Oh, God. People couldn't wait to get him to do his Johnny Carson or whatever. Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) I did like that the monkey was named Dr. Zayas. And also, that's like a real throwback kind of monkey. Like, such an odds monkey that was yes that's what i wrote down that like a kitchen monkey like i'm friends movies and tv oh. had monkeys for a while that's like it was a weird that kind friends. of tiny yeah monkey. that kind of monkey and apparently yeah. those kinds of monkeys are assholes they're not easy to work with i don't know why they became so ubiquitous as like the go-to monkey for tv yeah, <laughs> it really was so hot what? <laughs> i remember like the the monkey from Friends, that specific monkey was also in a couple movies. Like, it's also the yeah. monkey. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like, like the outbreak monkey. monkey. It's the outbreak monkey. monkey. Yes. Oh, outbreak. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Sadly, I don't think Black Phillip's ever going to work again. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's probably already become meat. Aww. <laughs> he was I hope not, someone really enjoyed he was Black Phillip. <laughs> Even though we love him so much. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, the idea of famous animals or like the Fraser dog. <laughs> the Taco Bell Chihuahua. Although I think that was numerous Chihuahuas. I don't Probably. know if that was one specific Chihuahua. Yeah, I think Frasier was just one dog. I guess that's like a time-honored, famous TV dogs are time-honored Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood tradition, but the monkey thing. It's Buzz McKenzie. 
That's Mackenzie. <laughs> He's a real party animal. I know, right? <laughs> I love oh my I gosh. spuds <laughs> so much. I do too. I, I thought he was the coolest dog ever. A real hot night and a cold Bud Light puts him in a party frenzy. Wow. <laughs> That's so one of my favorite rhymes of all time. <laughs> best party dog of all time. <laughs> he wears a skateboard, you guys. <laughs> oh, anyway. I liked the code, take the Chevy to the levee when they crash the airplane. Yeah, that, was, that made me laugh. They... I feel like I just got that joke, sort of. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, I know it's from American Pie, but then I'm like, oh, because, like, that man dying in a plane crash. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> just got that. Oh, I... All right. You just I'm a little bit of a Dana Music Dead completist. Like, I kind right. of obsessed with that whole situation. <laughs> I don't know. I love that song. I know it's not popular to like that song, American Pie, but no, I, I, really I think do. my dislike of it is unpopular. No, no, I no. Like it's a thing. I oh. think it's very. It's the pendulum has swung your way. Ah, <laughs> I mean, it mainly stems from my love of Buddy Holly, and it oh, fans yes. out from there. He's I the epicenter of Holly, it. Because yeah. I think all the time about what would have happened if he hadn't died. Mm. If I had a time machine, one of the things I would do is give him a ride <laughs> in my car with heat, because that's why he got on the plane, is because the tour bus didn't have heat. Oh. And they were like, well, we'll give you guys a ride in this airplane that does have heat. <laughs> oh, he influenced the Beatles, so... Mm. Yes, yeah, so they're named. They're kind of named yes. the crickets. Yeah, yeah. He was their number one influence, and he was 22 when he died. Wow! And the, the caliber of music and the quantity at 22 that he did yeah. mass, yeah. he would have become so influential and amazing. I mean, who knows what would have happened? Yeah. It's an interesting thought experiment that I, okay. <laughs> I run through from time to time. <laughs> anyway, that was a big, big tangent. Eh, not our biggest, though. <laughs> well, I mean, this movie starts out with a band dying in a plane crash. Yeah. Or, well, not dying. Allegedly. But, you know, <laughs> when Lula was watching, she watched the first half of this movie with us, and then she had to go to bed. And I was wondering if the next day she would wake up and want to watch the rest of it, because she seemed interested in it. But she said when they first had that poster in Times Square, and they were like, Josie and the Pussycats, what's up with that? Because the band's originally just called the Pussycats. Lula goes, he's trying to drive them apart. (laughs) You got it, girl. Target audience. (laughs) I thought that was funny. I liked that he, like, miscalled them the Pussy Hats. That that was funny, yeah. I liked the whole, this stuff looks so different on TV bit when they're pulling apart the fake TRL (laughs) set. The, like, masking tape (laughs) on the box. Hey, check out the view. It's fake. Wow. This stuff looks so different on TV. And I like the Paradise by the Dashboard Light music cue because <laughs> I love Meat Loves Bad Out of Hell. <laughs> Just that record. I'm a big Jim Steinman fan. He's the guy who wrote all the <laughs> all the Meat Loves songs and a lot of other songs. Some Air Supply songs. Oh. But Paradise by the Dashboard Light, I love that song. That's a good karaoke jam. If I'm feeling, like, <laughs> really self-indulgent, I'll do that song because it's, like, seven minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> and then my friend Andy ad-libs the, the baseball calling part. <laughs> 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 the single entendre. Grabbing <laughs> the bases. Yeah. Commentary. Towards the very end, there's some 
subliminal messaging joke. Like something flashes on the screen and at the bottom of it, it says, join the army. Oh, <laughs> and I thought that was a very solid wow. joke. Yeah. yeah. yeah really. <laughs> I like stuff about army or military propaganda yeah. in general, you know. That's kind of dipping into like they live satire territory. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. They really were trying something. I, right. I give yeah. them that. They try. Like yeah. It. Heath Ledger is the new Matt Damon. I liked that. That <laughs> subliminal message. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Rachel Lee Cook. I liked that movie, She's All That, when it came out. <laughs> I love that Sixpence and the Richer Son. Oh, really? That's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> transition into our lunchtime pool. Right. This is going to be a short but sweet, I think. So this is what's called a lunchtime pool. The lunchtime pool today is what's the name of your all-female power pop trio? Right. Do you I need time? You. I have several. I'm sure. Did you narrow it down to one? Oh, yeah. I what? got it. Oh, right I have one. <laughs> I have four. All right, you go ahead. What's okay. your... <laughs> so I keep a list of band names on my phone. Oh, I like I, Who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, I have used them a couple times in writing and whatnot. But this one I have not used yet. <laughs> I looked at my list and immediately the one that jumped out at me was Pretty Sneaky Sis. No, I love that! <laughs> that should be for four, though. Because, like, if you had not a trio, but four. Because it's connected. Oh, right. maybe you're right. Mm. <laughs> I love Pretty I cannot play that game and not say Pretty Sneaky Sis, like, every time. Pretty sneaky, sis. Hmm, well, maybe I'll... Mm. Another one that I, I used in my YA book that I'm writing is Cat Cow. So, oh, nice. Nobody's doing Cat Cow. <laughs> that could be for three. Yeah. Pretty sneaky, sis, could be a three, which is <laughs> funny because like it's from Connect Four. Cool. I had a couple ideas. So this came up semi-recently when we were talking about Star Wars, and I thought two-second lesbian. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's great. Right, which, like, from the end of Star Wars. Yes. But then also, like, I was trying, I was actually talking about this recently. There's probably a name for this. Like, I know there's, if there's an all-girls school, there's that lesbian until graduation. So that's not exactly what I was talking about. But, you know, some people have, like, where they're mostly hetero, but when they were young, they made out with other girls at parties because boys like it. You know what I mean? Like, I would assume there's a name for that. You know, I feel like there's names for everything. Like, yeah. you know, it's not quite a Saturday night gay. It's not a lesbian until graduation. I feel like we should ask Aaron or Alicia if yeah. there's a name for that. But I thought two-second lesbian could be a name for that. I like yeah. that. Um, right. And then I did just come before we started talking, came up with soft serve and heroin. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Erica and I always have, like, our band name was the Dalcon Shields, but it's like, like the Dalcon Shields, except a pun on Dalcon Shields, but we never have come up with something like that. But <laughs> I like Dalcon Shield as a band name for some reason. Or maybe just Dalcon Shield. Yeah. I feel like there's something there, but I've never totally hit it. You can workshop. Yeah, that. yeah. This might get like a cease and desist, but I thought broadband would be a good one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if you spell broadband. it funny, you can spell it funny. Oh, that's good. Okay, maybe it could really be like all that. one word, like dorky internet-y broadband i don't know <laughs> but i like broadband or i'd be something like the bright shiny diamonds or something i, <laughs> I think um, if you did it two words broadband that would be i like that yeah i like that 
that would work because they because they spell it as one word so i'm into that I'm yeah i really like that yeah. <laughs> that's great that's pretty cool how very did you guys ever see rachel lee cooks she was in like in the 90s like it was like drug I totally know what you're talking about, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is your brain on family. Yeah. And then, like, she trashes the kitchen. This is what your body goes through. Wait. It's not over yet. This is what your family goes through. Are you friends? And then she did a follow-up commercial, basically saying the war on drugs is a failure and like I did, yeah, I remember seeing that. Disproportionately impacted by it. This is how you feel. The war on drugs is ruining people's lives. It fuels mass incarceration. It targets people of color in greater numbers than their white counterparts. It cripples communities. It costs billions and it doesn't work. Any questions? I thought that was really cool. Anyways, cool. I looked up the old commercials uh, <laughs> last night. Yeah, I remember that, and I was very proud of her for doing that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the war on drugs was a fucking bullshit lie, yeah, and right. so awful. It imprisoned a lot, of, a lot of black right. men. Yeah, it was awesome that she did that. Wasn't Joe Biden a big proponent of the war on drugs? I'm or am sure. I just like projecting I, I everything assume, terrible onto him? <laughs> I think that's a very safe assumption. He's on brand for him. Yeah, and yeah, he's, he's terrible with <laughs> putting black a lot of jail. issues in I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or not believing them. Watch out, come on, pop. I do remember there was a girl in my year at UPS who was in the theater department and she would tell everybody that she went to high school with Rachel Lee Cook. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. But then there was one time when allegedly Rachel Lee Cook came to visit her on campus. Wow. And there were people who were like, yeah, I saw her. She was eating in the sub. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we called our, our cafeteria. The student union building. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true or not, but I might have been Rachel Lee Cook might, adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> is she from the PNW or? I don't, I don't know. know. I thought she was like. Was the girl at UPS from here, though? Maybe not. I don't remember. I thought she was from, like, New England or something, but I could be totally wrong. Sorry. (laughs) It's It's important. It's important research. A Minneapolis native. Oh. Oh, that sounds right. I think there were, like, a lot of Minnesota people. I feel like there were a lot of Minnesota people at UPS. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Oh, here's a fun fact. Rachel Lee Cook played the younger version of Parker Posey in The House of Yes. Oh, Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen it. I want to see that. Oh, yeah. Isn't that on our list for it is. season yeah, three? I would love to. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a do it. double shot of Parker Posey. I think nice. we should oh, do right. that. She has a lot. I think it should definitely be the House of Yes and something else, but there's a couple of other options for the yeah. something else. <laughs> there's a lot. Speaking of the, the fat phobia element, Parker Posey, apparently her character Fiona, her backstory was that she was fat in high school, mm-hmm. which was such a popular backstory right. in that era. But she suggested the speech impediment instead. Interesting. That was a funny swerve for me since yeah. I have a natural <laughs> lisp. <Yeah. list>. Like, <laughs> that was a really weird twist for me that she was covering up a lisp. Yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying. I have to consciously say an S correctly every time it's really annoying. That sounds very annoying. It is very annoying. I think when I turn 50, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to go back to yeah. <laughs> saying it how Why it comes not? naturally. Maybe it'll be cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute on little kids. Why not on 50 year old ladies?
the actors all had to go to band camp to learn how to jump and <laughs> so do, do rock yeah. jumping and that sort of thing. And uh, <laughs> I really laughed when reading about Tara Reid learning to play the drums because she said at first she couldn't separate her hands and feet. And <laughs> they were like, she's never going to get it. And then one day it just hit her and she got it. She said it was like learning to ride a bike. You really feel like you're never going to be able to do it and then suddenly you can. But that is the hardest part for sure is (laughs) making your hands and feet not do the same thing. (laughs) What did you guys think of the music itself, the soundtrack? From that article that said Jane Weldon. Jane Weldon. Oh, yeah. The go goes Jane. She worked on it, and I felt like I heard that kind of sound, like a go goes sound in some of the music, especially the first song. Really good, fun, light pop music. They had a lot of people working on it. It's kind of interesting how many different people. So Babyface (laughs) produced it. And then the vocalist who Rachel Lee Cook is lip-syncing to is Kay Hanley of Letters to Cleo. Oh, wow. Other people who wrote songs were... They wrote songs together. No one wrote, like, one song. They all kind of came in and punched up songs and tooled around with them. Adam Duritz apparently was in there of the County Oh, wow. oh wow. God, that, this is so damn. My God, it's, like, such a specific era. And then I feel like appropriately the Fountains of Wayne singer Adam <laughs> Schlesinger. Stacy's mom. Yeah. Go wow. I, think I really like their first record a lot. <laughs> Fountains of Wayne. Their self-titled record is really good. I still listen to it. Apparently he also wrote the... Thing you do that oh, song this yeah. is that thing you do that's a great song I love that song so he's good at you know for <laughs> the right. hooky pop yeah that's his wheelhouse it's kind of interesting to have that many cooks in the kitchen from different yeah. backgrounds Jane Weedland found writing for this movie hard oh <laughs> she said when she went into it she's excited to be on sort of a super group writing team but she was kind of saying there were too many cooks in the kitchen it was kind of dated almost immediately because of the virgin megastore scene oh yeah because <laughs> right after that right after this movie came out the ipod came out oh. and it changed oh, everything like yeah. that's really when music stores started shutting down the beginning of the end for them was the ipod and yeah. mp3s in general I mean, yeah. it's good, though. I don't know. I think it's good. I feel like it's good where music is now, where it's accessible to everybody. Yeah. And it's not really an equity thing anymore. You don't have to buy a whole album. You can just buy the song you like if that's your thing, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have to be the single either. Because, like, I definitely had a collection of kiss singles for a while. But <laughs> you wouldn't. What if, like, the best song in the album was <laughs> not a banger? <laughs> right. I definitely bought a lot of CDs for, like, just one particular song. Maybe CDs were, like, 15 bucks or something. Yeah, I think, like, 19 was the... So it's, like, I thought it was kind of cool. Like, oh, I can just pay, like, 99 cents for this? That was a huge difference to me. Yeah, it was, like, a single was 99 cents and a CD single was one ninety nine or something. I bought the soundtrack at the time. I think I probably bought it used... You know, in the used CD bin, but the songs still come on my shuffle from time to time, and I like them, and I I don't skip them. So, I mean, it's got longevity in that regard. It's not like music that I listen to when I really need to feel something, but (laughs) but it's fun. What did you think? It didn't really stand out to me. I was kind of neutral on the soundtrack. I didn't think it was bad, but there was nothing. You didn't have a lot of desire for repeat listening. I didn't. (laughs) Sack lunch bunch is what you're saying. (laughs) I was trying. 
not to mention the sex Why? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's my identity now. <laughs> I said that song. The White Lady Crying song to Erica, my sister-in-law, because she and I have a thing about that Joan Didion quote. She takes my handkerchief from her purse. And you know, she just wrote back, you know, like four minutes later, and she's like, an Oscar to that person for rhyming Joan Didion and Panko Tidian. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess it'd be an Emmy, but still. Right. <laughs> all of the awards. Oscar, yes. Grammy, Emmy, all of them. And EGOT. Just yes. give it. Just make that, one EGOT. EGOT just for that. Yes. Yeah. Put it in a movie. Put it on Broadway. <laughs> put it on TV. Put it on TV. All of them. That's awesome. I'm glad she yeah. liked it. I was worried that that story was going to end differently. That's like, it's almost like how you get Duplass. That's how I feel. Because I have definitely been <laughs> a lot of people's white ladies standing on the street crying. And then we have this funny affinity for that Joan Didion quote. So that really, like, <laughs> through me when you say we tell ourselves stories according to the like, oh my god <laughs> all right you got it because you had a chance to put that clip in okay. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. I also love that Dash loves it. Wants to watch it all the time. It really does span the generations. Yeah. Something for everyone in there. (laughs) And it's really revived my love for Jake Gyllenhaal, I've got to say. Yes. I was was like neutral-ish on Jake Gyllenhaal. And then I really hated, was it Nightcrawler? The movie where he's like a TMZ kind of. I I think that's what it's called. I hated that movie, and I've held it against him, and now... <laughs> Mr. Music, I mean, like, I like the music! <laughs> there is music here, music there, music, music everywhere. Use your ears, be aware, you're making music everywhere! It's music everywhere! <laughs> Talk to him about that accent. Like, what's it supposed to be exactly? <laughs> <laughs> You're ignorant. <laughs> That's Lucy's favorite thing in the whole thing. She's like, no, Mr. Music's not okay. He's having a lot of trouble. <laughs> so good i think you should show the kids bubble boy i actually oh okay, yeah i can, yeah. Oh, so I can send you home with it yeah bubble boy is so great i uh, mm-hmm. managed to work it into a paper and <laughs> i was such a bubble boy stamp. <laughs> that's awesome before i even knew what a stan was i was standing right. for bubble boy and then also uh, i definitely wrote about donnie darko we had to do a project where we had to re-edit a trailer because we were talking about how trailers misrepresent movies and their box office failures because the trailer was bad Mm -hmm. and they're like pick a movie that you think had a bad trailer and I picked Donnie Darko. Oh. <laughs> and I had to re-edit the trailer, which was really fun. I oh, gosh. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the whole topic sounds, like, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I loved going to film school. Obviously, it did not merit me a career in filmmaking, but <laughs> but I'm on a podcast now, so. <laughs> what else? There was a funny quote from Peter Travers. The reason he didn't like this movie is because they thought the outfits weren't sexy enough. Oh, my God. He said... <laughs> Gone are the cat suits. Fetishists will have to settle for pussycat earphones. 
fetishes <laughs> wow <laughs> it's a pg-13 movie i don't think it was for fetishes yeah. wow <laughs> also it comes That's from the they... archie comic which wasn't for fetishes well maybe i don't know right. i mean maybe there are wow. archie fetishes but that's on them not pretty weird <laughs> yeah, that's weird it's clearly a movie made for preteen teenagers very <laughs> very cool yeah. yeah beyonce Aaliyah, and lisa left eye lopez all auditioned for the role of valerie wow which is interesting yeah, apparently beyonce that. was super young and really shy they said she came in and she was very shy Aww. so they didn't think she could i guess pull it off <laughs> which is really interesting i guess she got it i guess so oh, yeah. yeah i trying to remember i think my dad knows peter travers or he's a friend of a friend There was a while my dad would mention him all oh, the God. time. We used to get gossip from Peter Travers, but I can't remember. I'm going to text him right now. I can't remember if it was direct or if it was through a friend, but there's definitely some can't two cents on Peter Travers. Oh, <laughs> I love this. Your dad knows everyone. Well, he knows <laughs> a lot of terrible people, apparently. He's <laughs> got the hot goss on Peter T. Tour de force Peter T. I saw a really funny thing a long time ago, like in the very beginning of memes on the internet, where it was a word salad of Peter Trevor's phrases. <laughs> <laughs> Tour de Force is definitely one of the bigger, the bigger ones. Spellbinding. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many movie posters with his quotes on them. All the big movies. Yeah, he was a big deal movie critic. Because he was for Rolling Stone. I think. Yeah. yeah. And he liked everything. Yeah. Like, there was almost everything was very hyperbolically amazing to him except for he did not like this movie <laughs> he, he called it harmless girly trifle also uh, harmless i mean, I mean that's a good review <laughs> <laughs> harmless <laughs> better than harmful yeah there you go all right my dad wrote back Ooh. oh yeah what did he say can't see sense <laughs> All right, well, I'm Peter Travers. Okay, Anne Martin knows him and invited me to go to the New York Film Critics Awards dinner, and we sat at his table. So Anne Martin, this is someone he briefly dated like 20 years ago, probably more than that. <laughs> she was the ex-wife of Michael Mor- Mike Moriarty, Michael Moriarty, the actor from mm-hmm. Law & Order. So my dad briefly dated her. She was friends with Peter Travers. They met at the New York Film Critics Awards dinner one year, whenever that was. Uh, <laughs> Anne Martin. There you go. That's it. Huh? <laughs> I no, knew there no, was no, some no, connection. No. At the time, yes, he did get plenty of goss indirectly from Peter Travers, but it was just mostly like so and so's gay. <laughs> <laughs> like anybody that was famous at the time was like, Peter Travers says he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> I know he said it about Matthew McConaughey, for sure. Oh, and Jenny Foster, which is like, duh. But I don't think it's true about Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Well, if you say it about everybody, you're going to be right. Yeah, (laughs) I also like Jenny Foster, even then I think everybody knew that. Yeah, that was an open secret. She had had her partner. I think she was even thanking her partner in award shows and stuff. She finally officially, officially came out, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not all that long ago. I don't know. It's harder for the older ones to kind of wrap their mind around it being okay. I guess, yeah. Just because in their impressionable youth, how things were. Ian McKellen really regrets waiting so long. Aw. I love him. I love him, too. felt like it was going to end his career. And, I mean, he probably saw that happen to other people, and that's why he felt like that would happen. I don't know. Any final thoughts? 
think I'm good. I don't know. I mean, it just it did make me want to rewatch the Fabulous Stains movie because I thought it had a similar theme. We should definitely Girl do Rock that. Band. Yeah, that movie's really good. I'm sure it holds up. <laughs> yeah, I watched it I not thought. that long ago. Yeah. We love our Lord Dern. On the next episode of Paid and Puke, we fangirl all over Terry's Wygoff's 2001 comedy Ghost World, based on the graphic novel by Dan Klaus and starring Thora Birch, Scarlett Johansson, and Steve Buscemi. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Thanks, guys! Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod, or join us on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.